This is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roy, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Eward and Mike Salk. Good morning, Rock and Salt Show, Seattle Sports on 710seattlesports.com and the Seattle Sports app, plus the podcast platforms and whatever other ways you find to consume this show. We appreciate it. Thanks for doing so. It's good to be with you guys today. Um, anybody want a puppy? Is that something anybody would oh, be interested oh, in? I'm just Trouble saying. paradise? Well, I'm not saying you can have my puppy. I'm saying if you want one at night while oh. I'm sleeping... I'd be happy to drop her off at your house. You can listen to her gack and cough and vomit and poop all over a crate. And then uh, I'll pick her back up after the show in the morning. Is she sick? I don't know what her deal is, man. She's fine all day. And then she gets in a bed at night. She sounds like Belichick before a press conference. Like, you know, I already did this interview with Bill every week. I don't need to listen to you do this all night. So uh, if anybody is interested in uh, babysitting for a dog every night uh, for the next, I don't know, a few months. I am. Uh, you just perf- made it sound so appealing. No, it sounds pretty good. I know she's she's really sweet. Um, you wouldn't get her during the time that she's sweet. I would maintain the rights to the sweet part of her day. Yeah, but you can have her at night when she turns into a demon for like a few hours. So I'm uh, I'm just trying to be generous. Gross. I know the people like her. She's very sweet, Gertie. But uh, yeah. Just uh, just a little reason why I had a little caffeine this morning, which is not normal for me. So we'll see where uh, we'll see where that goes. All right. Uh-oh. Yep. Well, I'm going to ask a question to you guys this morning. Um, what do you do? What do you do when you find yourself advocating for something that you don't really like that much? Ooh, I take a long, hard look in the mirror. It's like, what's wrong with me? Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't like that feeling at all. When I start rooting for something that I can't, I don't. Can you come up with a time for? where that's happened to you, where you're like, "What am I doing? I am, I'm rooting for something to happen that I know I don't really like that much. That oh. I would never, under normal circumstances, advocate for. But here I am, kind of stuck in this thing where it's like, well, I guess I have to do this. Does that happen to you at all? Usually sports related. Really? Where it's like, oh, that team's in the division of the team that I root for. Obviously, I don't want them to win, but I can't root for this team either. And then I find myself after something positive happens for that team being like, all right. And then it's a, no, no, you're not. See, I can generally handle it in the rooting thing. Like, okay, this like a Cecily will ask me, who are you rooting for? Well, this week we're rooting for this team. What about next week? Well, actually, next week we'll root for the team we were just rooting against because we Mm -hmm. really hate the team in the other league. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I don't, I'm pretty, I can flip-flop around that way. I'll get to it on this one. I'm really struggling with this whole Matt Chapman thing because I don't, really like Matt Chapman that much. I never have. When he was with the A's, always kind of felt like it was Matt Olson who made that team go and not Chapman and that he was just a little, I don't know, overrated. Fantastic defensive third baseman. Obviously, he's got a little bit of pop, hit 36 home runs one year at age 26, but he hasn't hit 30 since. couple of years at 27 and the strikeouts are higher than I'd like them to be. And in a season last year in Toronto, after the you know really hot start to it, he really hasn't done much of anything. And then you look at the batting average again. I'm not like Mr. Batting average guy, obviously, but 232, 210, 229, 240. The last couple of years, he had the one year at 278. And other than that, he'd never hit above 250, 250. I don't mean like 270, 280. I don't need like, 
280, by the way, will like lead the league in hitting these days. But like 230, 210, those are tough numbers to swallow, especially with all the strikeouts and everything else. Now, all that being said, I look at Matt Chapman and he's available and he's just kind of hanging out. And maybe he's going to end up signing a deal here. Maybe Boris is playing this whole thing right. Maybe he's going to end up getting the kind of cash that he wants at age 30. But if he doesn't, I just keep thinking he is a really good fit on this roster. If you ask me in a vacuum, which player do you like better? Matt Chapman or Cody Bellinger? The answer would be incredibly easy for me to give. I think Bellinger is a better player up and down. You ask me who's a better fit for this roster? It's Matt Chapman. And then if you ask me who's more likely to be a possibility because the rest of the uh, uh, Major League Baseball doesn't come around and and give him the kind of deal that he wants, again, it's Chapman because I think Bellinger's going to get paid. That guy's an MVP, right, and coming off an excellent year in Chicago. I think Bellinger's going to get paid. But Chapman? I don't know. This was Jeff Passan yesterday with us. Chapman, I would think. You, if you look at Matt Chapman's splits last year, he was out of this world in like the first six or so weeks of the season. And after that, just wasn't very good. Um, you know, the defense isn't where it was once upon a time when he was winning, I think, two platinum gloves. So this is a guy who has been legitimately elite at third base and, and frankly would look fantastic in a Mariners uniform and in the Mariners lineup right now. But I think at this point they are resolved to doing a, a Luis Arias, Josh Rojas platoon. I think they are too, but that doesn't mean that you couldn't upgrade. And I do think for all of the faults, Matt Chapman is an upgrade over that platoon. Is he worth big money? Probably not. And, and if there's going to be, you know, any opportunity, excuse me, to add along the way, and that ends up taking it away from you, I'll probably live to regret ever advocating for them to do something like that. But it's real hard to look at this lineup. And again, maybe I'm just being a little, I don't know, biased is the right word, but sort of unfair to Luis Urias because I've just never really seen him play. I don't know that much about him. And he had a really crappy year last year while he was injured. So it's hard for me to really fathom that a guy I know jack squat about is going to be your primary option at third base this year along with josh rojas who we were all worried didn't hit well enough to play second let alone third like that's a that's a tough pill for me to swallow given kind of where the rest of this team is at i understand that all teams have holes but you know it's not like their corner outfield spots are so guaranteed to be great that i'm looking at and going oh yeah you can afford a hole at third because you're so loaded in left and in right and at first like Eh, I don't know about all that, right? There's concerns kind of around this lineup, but I can kind of live with your left and right combo as long as your infield kind of gets back up to where it needs to be. You've obviously improved second base. I'm counting on Ty France and giving him the opportunity to have a better year and put last year behind him and come in in better shape and everything else that driveline's supposed to do for him. I'm willing to buy that. Like I'm willing to I'm willing to bet on Ty France, who I think a lot of as a hitter and a decision maker and everything else he's done. Okay. That third base is just like it's gnawing at me. It's just not very impressive right now, given that I understand some of the, you know, some of that's on me and not really knowing enough about Urias, which is probably true for most of us. Do I want them to get Matt Chapman? I guess if you were to put, you know, 
What, what's the first? You put a gun to my head and say, you signing Matt Chapman? I'd say for how much? <laughs> right. I know, right? <laughs> like, I'm gonna, I, can't, I, can't, I can't yes or no that. I'm probably going to say no. But if you ask me, hey, or if you tell me, rather, we just signed Matt Chapman, I'd be like, all right, let's go. That's awesome. That's what this team needs. Yeah, I, Does that I mean, make sense? Like, I, I don't think I can say it out loud. The Mariners should go do this. But if they do how, do it, I would be very excited. How much of we brought this up the other day about the Mariners being a run prevention team and how the defense really yeah. isn't as solid as it has been the last Yeesh. few years. This is a pretty good third baseman on the defensive side of the I mean, like, he's probably at this point, what, the he's, second best defensive third baseman in the league behind really Arenado? But it's also another one of these guys of that I don't want to pile up on the – uh, the the current list of if healthy and when yes. healthy, like I I don't need another one of those names, especially for the kind of money that he's probably. I don't know, he's man. he's played. I mean, look at look at Matt Chapman. I don't think health is a real issue for him. Look at the games played I every just year. Remember him having surgery? Now nah, one forty five, one fifty six. He had the one year in okay. two thousand twenty with thirty seven, which is the COVID year, right? And then one fifty one, one fifty five, one forty. I mean, he's playing. Okay. Maybe not literally 162 a year, but he's not a, a major injury concern. The big question with him is he going to make enough contact. And given everything else you did in your lineup this offseason, I think you could afford to allow him not to make as much contact as some of the other guys if he's going to hit 25 to 30 home runs, a bunch of doubles, right? Have an OPS of 825, 840, somewhere in that range. The problem is he hasn't had an OPS over 800 in the last three seasons. So I just struck out 165 times. Yeah, if you, if you, if it's real hard for me to say the words, I want Matt Chapman, but it wouldn't be hard for me to get excited if he were to sign here in Seattle. So kind of where I'm at. I don't think it's going to happen, but, uh, you know, worthy maybe of a little conversation here this morning. You'll hear more from Passon coming up in 20 minutes. We got a ton of guests today. Big guest day. Joel Klatt going to be with us at 730. Going to talk about Chip who's still in play, apparently. We're going to talk to uh, Brady Henderson about Geno Smith at 8.30, Shannon Dreyer about these Mariners at 9.30. So stick around. going to be a fun morning. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it sure sounds like Ryan Grubb is not going to be the guy in Seattle. Introduced himself in Birmingham to the... Red Elephant Club made folks there believe that he would be staying. So it doesn't seem that surprising given he was one of the first to interview, but nothing's been done yet. So do we turn our eyes back to Chip Kelly? Nothing new, although everyone does seem to be suggesting there are some other interviews that maybe have taken place and might even be ongoing. We'll talk to Brady Henderson about that coming up at 830 this morning. Eric Bieniemy is another name that I know a lot of fans have wondered about. He doesn't seem to be of great interest to this team. And there do seem to be some issues of personality that everyone has sort of had follow him throughout his career. That being said, in Kansas City, those guys still love him. Patrick Mahomes talked about it yesterday. Yeah, no, it's always great to have EB um, in the building. Just just being there and um, the energy that he brings, the mentality that he brings, you can just you can feel just because he's, he's, he's has that intensity, but he loves it. He loves being there. He loves being a part of the team and and being a part of a of that culture and so just having him back in the building was was really cool and listening to him talk and um his energy i mean it just kind of got everybody you could ask guys I, mean, I think guys had a little bit of like chill bumps and like hey we got eb's back here and 
Um, obviously, he didn't get that head coaching opportunity, but I'm excited for him to, to continue to coach football and to continue to make his impact on the game. Head coaching opportunity? He may not get an offensive coordinator opportunity before this is all said and done. So something fishy seems to be going on there. Still don't know what it is. Speaking of which... Whoever it is who does end up signing here might be a welcome change for some members of the current roster. Jackson Smith and Jigba on a uh, Chicago Bears podcast yesterday at the Super Bowl. His silence said everything when he was asked specifically about what it was like under Shane Waldron last year. Bears fans are super interested about the offensive coordinator coming in, Shane Waldron. What can you tell them about who they just hired to to, uh, try to get this offense where it needs to go? Um... This is live. Whoa. (laughs) We're not live. We're not live. I'm playing. Uh, uh, Good luck to y'all. I mean, he's. Whoa! It goes on from there, and he kind of gets back to saying some, you know, normal. Yeah, like, oh, no, he's Cliches a good coach. About he's a good guy, good coach. And, it's hard to yeah. start with good luck with that. I don't know. So I don't know what was going on here last year. Hopefully we'll be able to find out a little bit more. Something tells me he'll be asked about those comments by Seattle media. And my guess is he will say, no, I didn't mean anything by it. I was just sort of not sure if we were live. But hard to ignore when you hear something like that. Here's the second thing you need to know. Well, while JSN was talking in Vegas, CSN was on his way to Seattle. That's Kanan Smith and Jigba, former Pittsburgh Pirate, who was picked up off waivers by the Mariners yesterday. He's an outfielder who's bounced up and down between the majors and AAA. And guess what? Yes, he is brothers to Jackson Smith and Jigba. How about that? We'll get a chance to see him along with some other fun names in spring training. Mariners announcing their minor league invites yesterday. That includes a couple of big prospects. Harry Ford and Cole Young will both be there. I feel like maybe some of the buzz has subsided a little bit on Harry Ford. Not that he's had a bad year or anything. It's just funny. A year ago, he felt like the guy everyone was super excited about. And then, I don't know, maybe just because Cole Young and some of the the last year's picks ended up having such a good season that all of a sudden the buzz is more about those guys in the infield. But I'm still kind of excited about Harry Ford. And given the athleticism and the fact that Cal's here at catcher, could we see him maybe move around the infield a little bit? That would be interesting. I'm also kind of looking forward to getting my eyes on Ryan Bliss, especially knowing about Polanco's injury history. So they got some interesting options, at least in the infield. I don't know whether any of them are going to be true improvements over what they've had, but some interesting options that I'd like to actually see. We talked to Jeff Passan yesterday, and at least on paper, he kind of likes what the Mariners have done. Yeah, I think 24 is better than 23 was, but it's very easy to say that not just before the game start, but before I know starting pitching health. That that's the, the, this whole thing hinges on the Mariners starting pitcher staying healthy, and they have managed to the last couple of years. Um, that's not the sort of thing that tends to be the case long term. And so I listen. I hope every one of them stays healthy. I hope they go out and make the postseason. And I hope they bring Seattle what in the damn near fifty years we've seen baseball there. They they haven't gotten at this point, um, but. On paper, I like this team better than last year's. Okay. Well, yeah, I would uh, tend to agree. I think I do like it a little bit better than last year. Is it going to be better enough? Well, that's obviously where the questions start. Here's the third thing you need to know. Well, Jed Fish is uh, pretty psyched up about his staff since he's got both Pete Carroll and Bill Belichick's kids on it. He says that uh, that should lead to some fun times around the building. I would expect that we uh, will have two of the four members of the Mount Rushmore walking around our building very often. 
And I think when you can get that done, that's an incredible opportunity for the kids. On, on top of that, I've been fortunate to coach in the NFL myself for 14 years. Uh, running back coach, played in the NFL uh, for seven years. And um, the safeties coach we just hired, played in the NFL, was a fifth round pick. And when you get all those guys here, we can tell these kids what it looks like, what it feels like, what to expect. All right, a couple of questions. I love Pete Carroll. Is he on the Mount Rushmore? I love Pete. Mount Rushmore of coach, like of all time coaches. Four coaches ever. That'd be really tough. tough. That'd be tough. He said it's the right thing to say. I appreciate Pete, and I think he's probably going to go into the Hall of Fame. Mount Rushmore of coaches with Vince Lombardi and Bill Belichick. And Don I mean, if Shula. You, if you had a Mount Rushmore for coaches that have coached in college and NFL, probably yes. <laughs> eh, I mean, if you're going to start including college, I mean, Nick Saban. I mean, like, yeah, look, it'd be, and it'd, NFL. It'd be yeah, but Nick Saban's really NFL career was not of both. <laughs> it'd be tough. It would be. It would be a tough argument. I love it. Also, if you're one of the kids, like, kind of feel a little used, like you're just getting me so my dad is around practice. I don't know. That's everything yeah, you need to know. He did a big focus on the NFL and wanting these kids to know they have links to the NFL. Yes. And he talked about how Belichick and Carol like, were born into it. So there was some of uh He's definitely psyched about their dads. There's there's no <laughs> there's no doubt about that. Oh, man, I have a story for you, but I don't think I got time to tell it right now. So uh, I got an embarrassing story about myself, which I know you guys usually love. Uh, but unfortunately, I'll have to wait a little while. That's what I was do with Brock. It's yeah, I was sort of get... hoping not to do it with Brock, to be honest with you, so that, <laughs> okay. you know, he didn't know about it. But that's okay. I will. I'll do it with Brock a little bit later, maybe just after seven. Uh, I'll let you guys enjoy some Jeff Passan first, and then uh, I will embarrass myself a little bit later in the show instead. Stick around. It's all coming up on Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710 and the Seattle Sports app. This, this is Brock and Saul. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, let's see if Jeff Passan knows the answer to this question, Brock. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm good, gentlemen. How are you? Oh, what? So good on the lips. What baseball that? player oh. used that song as his, warm, as his intro oh. music, walk-up music, for years? Um, I know this. Oh my God! Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Can you play? Can you play? He nailed it. He nailed it. Really? Yes, he did. What did he say? Evan Longoria. Nice job. Very impressive. Thank you. Very impressive. Thank you. It's pretty great walk-up music. I've always liked the song just because of that. So, Mm. how are you, Jeff? What's new? Uh, well, I am. 48 or so hours away from jumping on a plane and uh, going to Las Vegas and watching the Kansas City Chiefs win their second consecutive Ooh. Super Bowl. In wow. <laughs> you become a Chiefs fan since moving to, to KC? I have. I Here's here's the thing. I, I am someone who really values sporting loyalty, so uh, I feel like a bit of a turd, but... A couple of things. Mm-hmm. Number one, my childhood team, the Cleveland Browns, moved when I was last in Cleveland. Right. Like it was a, a, a disastrous moment from my childhood. And so my connection to the Browns was kind of waning already. Um, and, and then my kid fell in love with the Chiefs and he has gotten older and, uh, you know, he's, he's like we had our first meeting for college prep last night which was like you know that's a wild thing to do and crazy considering your kids only 11 
Yeah. <laughs> a little early, Jeff. I, you know what? I, I, I actually, I actually would have sent that child to college at 11. And he would be fine. <laughs> he, 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 he's got his stuff together, but, uh, you know, between his love of this team, um, the, the impending, uh, move that, will probably wind up with him never living in the same city as we do. And the fact that the best quarterback of all time, all apologies, Tom Brady, but I mm. do think Patrick Mahomes is more talented. So I think the best wow. quarterback, at least physically of all time wow. is playing in my city. Like it would be foolish not to jump on board with that. And <laughs> uh, so I got season tickets and uh, wow. Uh, wow. you know, wow. if you've ever, if you've ever been to Arrowhead, you know, like mm. it's, it's a great, great place to watch a football game and a great team to watch and and seeing like seeing the chiefs get turned into villains has been very weird for me because it's a really likable team Mm -hmm. so are you going to be playing blackjack with the other slappies in the early hours of vegas i haven't quite figured out yet how i'm going to manage being in las vegas with being with a child Oh, I had to do that last year. It might be tricky. I did that last year yeah, with my then eleven-year-old. Very challenging. Seriously, how old is your kiddo? Yeah. What's any 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 advice? Um, not really. It's tough. Like it was fun, but at the same time, all I wanted to do was go play blackjack, and I couldn't do that. So yeah, no, it was yeah. uh, it was very challenging. But uh, you just have to not go for very long. You put a lot of melatonin in their dinner. And then they fall asleep, and you go play blackjack. Yeah, there you go. No way, man. I, I see. I I can't do that because on Saturday night, I, I like this is a very cool father son moment. But I'm gonna go see Wu Tang Clan with my child, and I cannot wait for that. Wow, it's actually kind of awesome. You keep saying child. How old is this son of yours? He's 16. You can't yeah. call him a child. Come on, Jeffrey. Child. What's the matter with you? <laughs> I, what, what am I supposed to say? I don't this know. You've been living in the what? Midwest. Your kid? Young man? Yeah, my son, my, my kid. Son? My firstborn okay. that I'm so proud uh, all, of. All of, all, of these, all of these things are synonyms. Yeah, but child like, represents somebody much younger. Mike, were you a moron when you were 16? Of course you were. Not because you're Mike Soft, but uh, because you were 16 right. and you were still a child. Fair. Yes. Like, that's, that's true. Like but also because yeah, I'm me, I'm, I'm, I figured this was going to be a joke about how I, nothing much has changed in my life ever since then. All right. Hey, we only have you for a little while. We're going to talk some baseball. As of today, how have Jerry and Justin done this offseason? Not necessarily the Mariners as a whole, but let's start with Jerry and Justin. How have they done this offseason? I think with the strictures that were in place in terms of um, – in terms of payroll, like, you know, you can look at 54% and be bothered by that. And rightfully so. And you can look at ownership and say the, the most talented player we've ever seen is a free agent. And we didn't even bother making a perfunctory offer to him. And you can say that uh, you know, an incredible uh, hitter, one of the best of his generation was available in a trade and we really didn't go after him because of the finances. And and you can be angry about that because it is reasonable and rational and understandable. But if we're just looking in the vacuum that the Mariners had X amount of dollars 
and they needed to construct a roster within that framework, I think they've done a pretty good job. I, I think that the you know the the individuals who they have brought in this offseason, the the latest being Gregory Santos uh, and Mitch Garver and Luke Rayleigh and uh, Jorge Polanco probably being the biggest of all. Like, I think this is a good team, man. And I I think the the moves that they've made, um, even since trading Suarez and Kalanick, uh, have been value positive. And I, you know, the, the balance that they've been able to strike, which is we are not going to trade the foundational guys that we have in our rotation and in the minor leagues. So, you know, those are, those are two interesting groups, right? We know Julio's not going anywhere. We know Cal's not going anywhere, but the, those very desirable guys on the position side, on the big league roster, there aren't a whole lot of them right now, but on the big league side, it's pitching and they could have traded any of the four young guys or, or five, if you want to include Emerson Hancock that they had and done well. Uh, they, they similarly could have traded Colt Emerson as their best prospect or Harry Ford or uh, Cole Young and gone out and gotten someone, but they haven't done that either. And I, I think the, the balance between 2024 and the coming years where these young players are going to ascend and join this core, uh, I think they've done a really good job striking it actually after the beginning of a winter that was just an absolute nightmare in terms of public relations. Is there a free agent available that could tip the scales even more? Probably not one that they can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, you, you, that's you mentioned, thing, you mentioned right? Jeffrey, you mentioned 54%. And by the way, a 540 winning percentage in 162 games is 87 which kind of feels a little bit like where some of these projections are for the Mariners, somewhere between 85, 86 and a half, 87. Is a Bellinger, is a Chapman, is an arm, is there a veteran free agent that you think you could sign right now and say, oh my gosh, now all of a sudden this becomes a 90-plus win team? Yeah, absolutely. If they went and got Cody Bellinger, if they went and got Blake Snell, that changes the calculus. I just, I don't think they're playing in that sandbox, Brock. Like, that's the thing. I. I don't find any of those to be particularly realistic at this point. Now, there's a chance uh, that the market craters to the point where the Mariners say, you know, we would be foolish not to engage here. And they go to John Stanton and say, we have an opportunity, like a real opportunity to enhance this team now and going into the future and we should take advantage because market opportunities like this don't come along very often. Uh, we're not at that point yet. And I'm not sure that we're going to get there, but yeah. Uh, if you bring in Bellinger or Snell, it absolutely does that. What is going if, on if with Bellinger and Chapman? Chapman? What, what is going on with those guys? Why, why are they not signed right are now? Are they Boris guys? Yes. Yes. All, all, all four of the big guys left are Boris guys, uh, Snell, Montgomery, uh, Bellinger, and Chapman. And I think it's, I think it's very simple. Um, they have, they, and I mean the, the players, have set a line in the sand. And nobody is willing to cross that line at this point because teams see that line as unreasonable and players see that line as what the market value should be as opposed to what the market is showing. 
And it's a staring contest. It's a game of chicken. It's them, you know, saying, I, I am willing to wait. And I believe that you, and by you, they mean 30 teams. I believe that your desire to sign me is strong enough that waiting is not going to impede me. And look, in past cases, it has worked, whether it's with Scott Boris clients, like, you know, Bryce Harper was going to get 300 plus million dollars. He just wound up getting it in March. Manny Machado, uh, I don't know if he was going to get 300, but he got 300. And that was done in March. But but with a guy like Mike Moustakis a few years ago, he turned down the qualifying offer, which I believe was about $17 million, and ended up signing a one-year, $6 million deal with Kansas City because the, the market just never formed. And, at, you know, at some point, and, and maybe some point soon, uh, you know, we're going to get to a place where, okay, the market that you may have anticipated is just not going to be there, so what do you do? Do you wait? Do you wait for an injury? Do you wait for a team that uh, just starts feeling a little bit more desperate or isn't looking the way that it should in spring training? I mean, there are a million things that change the calculi involved in free agency. But right now, uh, we're just in a holding pattern. And until either the players drop their ask or one of the teams steps up in earnest, uh, I think that holding pattern is not going to move. Who's the player most likely to have his market tank enough to potentially be affordable. Chapman, I would think. And is and, that just because he didn't that, play that well, like didn't put up Gaga numbers in Toronto yeah. last year? Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at Matt Chapman's splits last year, he was out of this world in like the first six or so weeks of the season. And after that, just wasn't very good. Um, you know, the defense isn't where it was once upon a time when he was winning, I think, two platinum gloves. So this is a guy who has been legitimately elite at third base and, and frankly, would look fantastic in a Mariners uniform and in the Mariners lineup right now. But I think at this point, they are resolved to doing a, a Luis Arias, Josh Rojas platoon and playing the numbers on that and hoping the platoon advantage takes these players who are fine, you know, okay, they're big leaguers, but uh, they may not be more. And, and the platoon advantage, uh, in theory, uh, gives them a greater chance to maximize their potential. Mm. Yeah, you mentioned the numbers there. Jeff Passon here with us. Absolute blast to catch up. Uh, baseball season right around the corner where we, we will do this regularly, I hope and believe. Uh, speaking of numbers, starting pitching and bullpen combined. The Mariners, the best arms in Major League Baseball. When you combine the five starters with the bottom end or the you know the three highest leverage relievers, is there a case to be made yeah, based on yeah. numbers that this is the best arms in all of baseball? Um, are you including like full bullpen depth, or are you just saying like when we're in October and we need our starting pitcher to go out and dominate? And then we can go Santos, Brash, Munoz in some order. Or mm -hmm. are you talking bullpen depth too? Because I think the bullpen depth – now, this is an important thing to know. Just because there haven't been guys or as many guys who come into this spring having performed uh, in the past 
just because that's the case doesn't mean that the Mariners mm-hmm. back in, uh, you know, the, the death parts in that bullpen. Because one thing I think we, we all agree, it's, it's objective and clear. The Mariners do a good job at taking arms and making them into something. It's, mm-hmm. it's part of the secret sauce that they've got going on right now. And has been a big part of their success over the past couple of years. So uh, there is going to be someone in, in the same way that it was, you know, Gabe Spire for a while last year, in the same way that it was, you know, Matt Fest of the year before, just guys you expect mm-hmm. nothing out of who turn out to be pretty productive. Uh, it, you know, if we're just talking though, rotation plus back end of the bullpen, uh, I mean, maybe you could argue Atlanta. Maybe. Maybe. That's about it. I, yeah, I mean, there's the there's just you know the 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 Mariners starting pitching is just really good. I, I don't I don't have to tell you guys that you know how good they are. Um, maybe you look at Philadelphia. I don't think the rotation depth is there. Um, you know, top end, I would probably take Zach Wheeler over anyone that the that the Mariners have. Um, and. Uh, you know, Aaron Nola is really good. Got 175 million this off season, and, and Ranger Suarez and Christopher Sanchez. Like, in Philadelphia's back end bullpen arms are nasty. Uh, very similar, in fact, to just the kind of stuff that you're seeing with the Mariners. But uh, you know, the, the, the teams you would look at otherwise, like Tampa Bay, now they're too injured right now. Uh, Toronto's pretty good. Like Toronto's got some very good arms in that rotation, and. Their bullpen depth stinks, but the back end of it is pretty strong. Houston, you could make a case, right? Yep. Like Verlander, Fromber at the top of the rotation, Christian Javier, back end of the bullpen uh, with Josh Hader and Ryan Presley. It's pretty good. It's yep. pretty lights out, man. Yeah. So, so Houston, I think Houston is in the conversation there. Hmm. Uh, but, yeah, if, if you want to make that argument, I think you're – Probably right. All right. Let me ask you a dumb question. Uh, since you said I was a moron when I was 16. All the other I know. Have? Here we go. Here we go. No, it's a dumb question because I don't think there's, I don't know how you're going to answer it, but I'll ask you anyway. Is there any sort of a secret sauce to starting the year hot? Because it sure seems to have been an issue for the Mariners the last few years. Brock's brought this up a couple of times that every year they kind of dig themselves a hole in April and into May. And thankfully, the last couple of years, they've had phenomenal Julys and August. But is there any secret to starting fast? You know, this isn't like the NFL where you know you have your 15-play script at the beginning of every game, right? And... This isn't like the NBA where talent almost universally wins during the regular season. Like you just the the in the NBA, the best mm-hmm. teams you tend to know who they are pretty early on. Uh, baseball just doesn't have anything like that. And uh, I'm sorry, that's a dissatisfactory answer because you would think if we can quantify all kinds of different things maybe we could figure this out too um if that exists like the the way that you get off to a hot start uh, i i don't know what it is yeah okay we're gonna do a little personal time with passing um, we're gonna we're gonna sneak i got two actually pretty quick questions uh but just <laughs> 
Gosh, so good, man. You're like the We Are the World. Have you seen the doc? I, I can't it, believe I actually did that. Like, yeah. that is an incredibly high note. Yeah. Yeah. You have yeah. to be an arrogant prick yeah. to try and do Pretty much. I watched, like, the first 10 minutes and was just overwhelmed by the amount of star power. It's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. The, could, could, could we do anything like that today? No. no. No, absolutely not. No, uh-uh. I mean certainly not with cell phones and no. social media and paparazzi right. and everything no, else. But couldn't happen. you're sort of the Cindy Lauper of that, though. Don't, That's what I'm say? saying. Like, mean, the, like the high octave, like he, he could totally yeah. hit whatever. No, you wouldn't have to lay out because Michael was so high up there, and Steve Perry. I mean, you just proved that you could hang with those guys. Uh, personal time with passing. Two quick questions. Uh, assuming your 16 year old son just conks out. Wants to get his sleep and said, Dad, go down and play. Just go down and have some fun down there on the floor. Which game is Jeff Passon attacking on the casino floor? Parker. Oh, oh yeah, you are arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you really are. I mean, like you said it a minute ago, but it's true. You really are cocky if you think that that's, you know, what where you're going to have your success. In order to win a poker, you have to really believe you're smarter than everyone else around you. Well, no, no, no. We're not, no, no, no. I'm saying no, no, no. You didn't say where are you going to go find the greatest success. Oh, okay. You said where are you going to go? Fair point. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Secondly, secondly. I, it- I, you know what? I, I fully acknowledge, like, I, I am an... I am a good poker player for not knowing what I'm doing. Like I, I think I can read, I can read people. Well, I know I just, I, I don't calculate pot odds in my head quickly enough and haven't like educated myself enough there to ever become like an excellent poker player, but I very much enjoy the challenge of poker. Oh, Jeff so, has his head. Yeah. He, he's got a big head. <laughs> when, when's that? Where's that from? Perkin. This is Tim Kirchin saying you have a big head on our show. Yeah. He said that on our show. You took strays when they were talking about uh, the Bruce Boucher's head. Oh, Bruce Boucher's head. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, You took some strays. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I I mean, here's the thing, though. It it is like an objective fact, too. Like, what what is your guy's threshold for when somebody tells you their hat size and you go, whoa, like, what's a big head? Seven and three quarters. Seven and three quarters plus. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm three quarters. So there you go. Timmy (laughs) Timmy was spot on. I do have a I do have like a disproportionately large dome for my body. Hold on. There's there's one more part of this that Passon deserves to hear. We've never played this for him, so I think he since we brought this up, he should probably hear this. Talking to Tim Kirchin earlier today. I like him a lot better than Jeff Passon. I gotta tell you, like I just liked him much, much more. Like, as a person. like I just like talking to him more. Why did I say that? That's not very nice. Justin, I think you spliced together some things. There's no way I would have said that. Jeff's my favorite. You know that. Yeah. I never would have said that about Timmy. Wow. Maybe I would have. Yeah. I'm 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 sure I'm sure Justin is just so interested in <laughs> Making you look, look bad. bad. Yeah. 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 Together audio. yeah, I need so much help. <laughs> Somebody's got to go yeah. really splice together the audio because I never say dumb stuff on my own. You got to go. Spl- Thank that you for the personal. Mike, that was actually kind. That was actually kind of mean. I, you know what? I think if, if the context, context there probably yeah, makes the some con- sense. It- 
Yeah, it was oh, totally the context. Sensitive Jeff Passam. Jeez. Oh, that's kind of mean. No, it's not. You big whiner. <laughs> First of all, everybody likes Tim Kirchin better than Jeff Passam. That's just like a... <sighs> That's a, that's a pretty much a standard. Tim Kirchner's like one of the nicest people in the world. Jeff's like me. He's an irritant. He gets under people's skin a little bit. He's super opinionated. There's a group of us. I was texting with uh, Bert Breer about this. Like, yeah, we're not for everybody. That's fine. Look, we're cool with it. We've grown up. We understand we're not for everybody. Certain people are going to be upset with us. Now, sometimes, unfortunately, people get upset with us for the wrong reasons. And so I want to make sure... That I'm very clear because I know you got you guys are terrible. All of you out there. <laughs> you are. You're awful. I said something in strict confidence earlier this <laughs> week. Why people don't <laughs> Justin. I spoke in strict confidence earlier this week. I told you guys about how Stacy intimidated my puppy by oh screaming at her. She came running down the hall at her. Yeah. Over exaggeration. Brandishing a knife above her head oh, like true. psycho. True. But I was ve- I was very clear. That you weren't supposed to tell Stacy about it. And what did you guys do? You tattled. You knew that's what they were going to do. Maura, I did not. Whenever I had, anyone tells you explicitly, like, don't look at this. I had such faith in our audience don't that I this. thought we were in this together. And then they just went out and like You're a You're the medi- ultimate contrarian. You would do exactly what you I would did. not. I'm not a tattletale. People tattled right away. Oh, Stacy, guess what Mike said about you? Like, whatever. So anyway. Maybe she and I got off on the wrong foot together this week. I know she wrote you a long email about it, Maura, saying that she's, like, you know, got a whole spot for Gertie in her house. Would you like me to read it? Uh, I got an email titled Gertie. Yeah. (laughs) It says, she loved me. We're best friends. And she would never be scared of me. Mm -hmm. Tell Salk he's spreading fake news. I'm already building her a vacation home in my yard. Parentheses, Bruin can stay too. Nice. P.S. I didn't even scream that loud. It's mm. the acoustics of the hallway playing tricks on people's ears, just like Lumen Field. Matter of fact, that wasn't even me. I think it was Bump. Mm. Okay. Well, all of those things might be true. Anyway, that's all sort of pre- uh, prelude to the fact that yesterday our new pictures came out and um, Bob looks younger than all of us. Like, it's crazy. There's six pictures, right? One of each of the six hosts here on the station. You can go find it, salesports.com. When you're, like, watching the video stream or any of that stuff, it pops up. Right, Justin? Anyway. Yeah, I'll put it up right now. Bob, Bob looks like he's 19 years old. <laughs> it's out of control. <laughs> yeah. the, the man is, like, has an AARP card, and yet he looks like he's 19. <laughs> something is going on. He's like Benjamin Button or something, and I'm incredibly jealous, obviously, like we all should be, of Bob. So I was trying to just make a point about how young Bob looked. And somehow you wretched people out there made it sound to Stacy like I was calling her old. Stacy looks great. She doesn't look old. You said I would think Bob was younger than Stacy. I mean, yes, you singled her out. But, all right, Stacy looks like she didn't look 19. <laughs> I was assuming you picked her because she's the youngest yes. of everybody in the pictures. Well, of course. But you singled her out. And the rest of us, like, I look like a troll. I mean, come <laughs> on. Wyman actually is, I believe, the oldest of us. I mean, like, come on. Brock's older than me. I know that. Bum's got the gray in his beard. Yeah, Stacy, of course, looks young. But Bob looks crazy young for how old he is. It's out of control. And I would like so I would like an investigation into how young there, Bob looks on that Bob doesn't hear so. about this now. Well, I know you guys would that. never tattle on me when I say something nice about Bob. There's no way. You only tattle when I say mean things that aren't even mean. Anyway, Stacy looks great. So does Bob. And, uh, yeah, so does Brock. Heck, we'll talk to him next. It's Brock and Salk, CL Sports on 710.